First of all, let's pray. Lord, you've given me a tough assignment, and yet uh, I know that your Holy Spirit is at work. We're going to need encouragement. We're going to need understanding. So I pray, move in our lives, that we'll be better servants for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, my name is William Devane. <laughs> Buy gold. How many times have you heard that? Aren't you getting a little tired of it? Uh, that guy's making all the money selling gold. But he's trying to provide for us, supposedly, uh, giving us satisfaction and security. And we as believers, we know exactly where we get that, and the gold ain't going to do it. But, uh, and, and if you bought gold, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not condemning that. But it is questionable how far that will go to protect us. And we have a protector that will go all the way, and he has. Gold is probably the most precious metal that ever was. Millions have died over it. And you know the uh, Alaskan gold rush and the California gold rush. In California, there were probably 80,000 people that participated in that. Many died. And many came home with written on their wagons, busted. It didn't work out. Well, it won't work out for us either if that's what our choice is and what we're searching for. The word gold shows up in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2. And God calls it good and beautiful. And as you go through the Bible, and there are 400, or I'm sorry, yes, 451 occasions that the word gold shows up. It must be important to God. It's, it must have great significance. And it does. It's been said that nearly every war that has ever been fought has been fought over gold or some sort of financial gain. And yet it's just a little piece of a metal. But it signifies good things. That one does. <laughs> I've had the privilege to pan for gold several times. And uh, it, it's an unusual experience. There's not much to it. Doesn't take much training or anything. You got to pan and put some junk in it and swish it around, see if there's anything left over. A friend invited me to go pan gold with him, and I jumped at the chance. I thought, yeah, I'll be outdoors and mountains and streams and everything again. And, uh, so we did, and I saw an opportunity to pull a prank. And that's not unusual for me. Uh, <laughs> I probably get in a lot of trouble, but it, it's fun for me anyway. Yeah. But I had a piece of den dental gold that came out of somebody's mouth. <laughs> and I slipped it in the pan that I was using after we had been there quite a while. And I thought, uh, should I do this or not? Oh, yeah, let's do this. And so I waited. And I said before we left, I said, would you look in my pan, see if there's anything there that's valuable? And he looked in there and he swished it around a little bit. And that, the gold settled to the bottom. So the dirt was being taken out of it. And his eyes got kind of big. He said, that's the biggest gold nugget I've ever seen. <laughs> Where did you find it? Uh, I wasn't about to tell him. You know, over there somewhere. 
<laughs> well, we packed and headed home, and he was still interested, and, and he was thrilled to death for me that I found this big piece of, well, what I should have brought it with you, it's about that big. <laughs> but he asked me again, where did you get it? And I said, I bought it at a sale. <laughs> he knew he was duped. <laughs> I want to explain that each of us have something that is far more valuable than gold ever was or ever meant to be. It's something that can actually bring us peace. Now, is there anyone here that isn't looking for peace or wouldn't welcome it? We all want that. I wonder if we're looking in the right places. And I'll tell you, William Devane is not going to give us peace. Only the Lord Jesus and other things will bring peace for us. We're going to speak about the other things. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And I'd love to say a lot more about these verses that I'm going to share with you, but we don't have the time for that. But if need be, and I think that's a message from the Lord. He's saying, yeah, the need is real. I think this is a first class condition. And you can read it a couple ways. Um, the need is right. It is, it is real. And let's see, I, I, from Jesus' point of view, as I said, there is a need for us to consider. Distress and grief comes from trials. And he's telling us, and look at verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold, there's our theme, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Trials produce something of a tremendously high value. And you know where I'm going, and you're not going to want to hear it. It's tough. It's been tough on me. I've lived with this message for almost a year. When Ted told me that we were going to have this conference again, I knew what I was going to preach on. And it has not been easy. It has worked me over, and I'm not done yet by a long shot. But trials, everyone has them. You've got family problems and financial problems, relationship problems, et cetera, et cetera. And I looked up for synonyms of trials to see how many words there were that applied to this. And I came up with 10 words concerning trials, and then 20 and 30. I came up with 59 words that indicate trials of some sort. And I quit there because that was about enough, about all I could stand. But uh, struggles and cares, ordeals, miseries, adversities, all of those express what we go through and are going through. And I wonder if there's anyone here that could say honestly, I have no problems in this world for which I would like to have changed. 
I think we all are considering and praying about something that we wish were different. I want to propose something probably quite controversial. I think that we can, or I should say, I think it's okay to ask God why. Why is this happening to me? Why am I being tested? Well, there's two ways to ask. One is you're asking for information. Lord, I would like to know because I want to be on the same track with you of what is going on with these things that are discouraging to me, threats to me, all sorts of negative things. And we sometimes say problems or we have several words that we use for it. To the Lord, they're not problems. And we miss. Uh, misuse words they're not something wrong what's wrong with you today well our answer ought to be nothing but you're crippled well that's not wrong God gave it to me he allowed me to have this sort of thing <laughs> but there are two ways to ask why one is for information that's the correct way Lord I want to know and I would appreciate you telling me. And I think if you ask sincerely and humbly, you'll get an answer. It might not be the answer that you want. But I'll bet it will be. But the humility is the thing. Not charging God with anything, but saying, Lord, I know you've got a purpose behind everything. We know that. <laughs> Do we know it experientially? Second way is to make an accusation of objection to God of why this is going on. Really just objecting, Lord, you, you don't know what you're doing. You're wrong. If we can charge him rightfully with that, then there is no God. Because he never has made a mistake. But from our point of view, sometimes we wonder, Lord, is this really what you want me to go through? Is this what you have for my life? Why is this happening? Because I want to be on the same track with you and not cast aspersions toward you. I'll give you an answer to every why that you can ask. It's very simple. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. To build your faith and endurance. Whatever is going on in your life that you'd prefer not to be there, maybe it's there for a purpose because God doesn't waste purposes. doesn't waste his time. He's not wasting our time. But when we view from his perspective, Lord, what's going on? Because there's something that needs to be changed in my life. There's something that is more important than what I'm looking at right now, and I need to understand this. You see, faith and endurance brings what? Peace. Well, isn't that what we want? That's what we should want. And the Lord should have this question, and I think that he's put it in the scripture many times. Do you trust me? But Lord, do you know what I'm going through? Well, yes, I happen to know exactly what you're going through, and there is a reason for it. 
Get in line with me here, and it'll all be okay. When we had our family, Alexa and I had two sons, uh, we disciplined them, biblically. We had a spanky stick, and uh, it inflicted pain. It didn't leave any marks, that's the way it ought to be. But they were to cry, and they were to cry without a big fuss, or I'd spank them for that. And they knew this. <laughs> but they never asked why. Why are you spanking me? <laughs> they knew the answer to it. Because we had explained the rules, we'd explained the punishment, and we explained what we were expecting from them, which is obedience. So it's okay. And their response was kind of a surprise on a number of occasions. That whether Alexa or I spanked them, they would say, Mom, Dad, I love you. That's the expected response when we're going through trials. <laughs> and we've been through some, and I'm not going to list them. Don't need to, because you understand. You've been through things, are going through things right now, and if you aren't, you're going to be. That's the way God works in our favor. I want to share some verses with you. I wish I could expound on each one of these, but I'm going to try not to. James 1, 2, and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, you've heard these over and over, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Why patience? Because it's probably going to happen again, or something else come down the pike at you that you didn't expect. So be patient. Faith can come in a second, <laughs> but proving it requires a good deal of time. John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. It would be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I think our response to that is sometimes a little flippant. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and you know these verses. Uh, if there was a pair of verses I would take out of Scripture, this would be them. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, everything, yeah, really everything, by prayer and supplication, and here's the killer, with thanksgiving. Are you thankful for what you're approaching and into or will be into very soon? Let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We don't understand what He's doing, but it's unbelievable when we see what it is will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then Job 5.17, Eliphaz, one of his friends was scolding him. And he says, be happy. He said, behold, happy is the man who God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Do you like it when you've got a trial hanging over your shoulders? 1 Peter 4. 12 and 13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. 
that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. I, I'm having trouble with, with this, I'll admit. Joyful in trials, boy, when they come up and grab you, <laughs> are we really joyful? Well, Lord, you've got something else for me. Well, that's about how it ought to be, I guess. Isaiah 48, 10 says, Behold, I have refined you not as silver. I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. And he was speaking to all of Israel. Romans 3, or 5, 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction, and this verse really gets you, doesn't it? Which is but for a moment. And when we're hurting, we're crying our eyes out, we're bleeding, whatever it is. I don't know that we can grasp this as strongly as we should. For our light affliction is but for a moment. Working for us. There it is. It's not working in opposition, it's doing things for us, for our advantage. A, more, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I don't know what this weight of glory is, but it has to do with trials and how we respond to them. And the weight of glory is so heavy, but not burdensome, that we have to have a new body to support it. That's part of what the new body is going to be. That when we stand in heaven, we're going to carry about, I guess, the, the crowns of, of reward for what we have done. That the Lord instituted and started within us and that we were faithful to follow through with. I'll skip over Hebrews chapter 11. There's a passage there that you ought to read, uh, verses 35 through 40, of all the people that have suffered greatly. And I wonder if we would suffer to that degree. And it ends really by telling us they're waiting for us because we're going to have a class reunion of persecuted saints. We're gonna to get together in eternity. Well, I wanna be clear that discipline, trials, whatever you wanna call it, we'll stick with trials, I guess, is not necessarily because you did something wrong. It maybe is to keep us from doing something that is wrong or incorrect or wouldn't be to our uh, best uh, use. And my wife and I have had things go wrong in our lives that directed us. There, there, are things, there were serious things that have happened that brought us together. If it had gone the other way, who knows what. <laughs> but it was things that... Uh, we didn't expect, but when they happened, maybe years later, we look back and say, now we see that you were working for us through difficult times. Pray for anything you want, anything you're concerned about, it's okay, but include this understanding that the Lord has spiritual growth in mind. I mean, Jesus healed hundreds of people, and I suspect a lot of them were unbelievers. But what he has in mind for the trials is that we will come out with a different perspective, a stronger faith. 
that will endure whatever comes in the future. Well, let's look at how not to ask why. Job asked the Lord why with the attitude of accusing him. And as I've reread the book of Job, I'm amazed at how critical he was of God. It was the attitude of basically, God, you're wrong. You're not treating me the way you should. But you read Job and see if you don't kind of have your mouth fall open at how difficult he made it for himself because he wouldn't understand what God was doing for him. He was really objecting to and saying that God had a lack of compassion. You really don't care for me. You would do anything to destroy me. Okay, I'm putting some words in his mouth. Look at Job chapter 3 and verse 11. Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? Why did the knees not receive, or why did the knees receive me, or why the breasts that I should nurse? In other words, why didn't I starve to death? It would have been better off for me than to endure all of this that you're putting on me. It's just unfair. Seven times in chapter three, you see that Job has said, "Why this and why that?" in an accusing attitude. And 20 times, at least 20 times in the whole book, he says, why? And you kind of know the story, I think, that uh, God says, I've got some questions for you. See, trials build spiritual health. <clears throat> Job had lost his health and everything else except his life, and he was wondering why that the Lord didn't take that. Even in uh, chapter 30, in verse 11, he says, Because he has loosed my bowstring and afflicted me, they have cast off restraint before me. In 30, 21, he says, But you have become cruel to me. With the strength of your hand, you oppose me. God, you're pouring all your strength into making me miserable in my life. Why don't you just kill me? I mean, this is tough language, but he's saying these things. And then a wise young man steps up, Elihu, and he quotes Job in 34, verses 5 and 6, and says, where Job says, I am righteous and sinless. Really, Job? Now, we've always heard that he was a righteous man. Oh, he did right. <coughs> But we've got a problem. And let's go to the heart of the matter. Job 32, 1. So these men ceased answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. There it is. And he was accusing God. You're not doing right by me. He wouldn't admit sin. He wouldn't allow trials to shape his life, to bring faith. He didn't have faith in God. Not really. And God steps up and says, all right, the three men, your friends, 
They couldn't do the job. He wouldn't listen to them. And they were pretty rough on Job. And then Elihu shows up after he allowed the three older men to speak, which that's the way it should have been done. And God says to him, and by the way, he has 70 questions that's been counted that he has asked Job. God says, where were you when the foundation of the earth was laid? And Job knew the answer. Well, I wasn't around. I had nothing to do with it. Well, the thing is, Job understood. Finally, after all this time, he's taking badgering from the three men and truth from Elihu. And finally, God says, let me take over. Now, you answer my questions. And the response was finally the way it should have been. I have heard of you, but now my eyes sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself or despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Finally, he caught on. I see what the trials have been. I haven't understood them. But I, now I understand. It was for my good. You were taking me to something, which is faith. See, Job had demanded why from God. And he found who. He found the Lord is on my side. He loves me so much that he would allow these things, even inject them into my life. Oh, Lord, don't do that to me. Let's have a peaceable life here. Well, this ain't heaven, folks. And yet we, we pray as though it ought to be. <laughs> he should have asked, why are these trials necessary, Lord? And I will agree with them. And the universal answer is still to build your faith and endurance. Who knows what's going to come? And we're hurting. We're hurting individually. We're hurting as a nation. We're hurting as a world. Well, we know what the answer is. It's going to take the Lord coming back to settle all of this. And then in the end, it still doesn't, or toward the end of the thousand years, it flares up again. And when man is given the right and the liberty to sin, it will happen. And no matter what God has done to prove that, it always works out the same way. Leave man to himself and his own devices, just like Job was doing, he will end up in sin. But fortunately, we know what it takes. And the Lord has spared us, even in the midst of the trials that are going to come. I think the Lord should ask the same question I asked early, only I've turned it a different direction. Is there something for which you do not trust me? And what if the Lord asked you that? Is there something for which you don't trust me? Would you answer it? Could you answer it? If you're real honest, you should. And I think our prayers are often saying, I don't accept what's happening to me. Fix it. And the Lord is not a fix-it man. Yes, He's going to set everything straight. But there is such a purpose and such a goal with trials that we ought to be paying more attention to them. Faith isn't injected into us by the Holy Spirit. It's a learned reaction. It takes time, a good deal of time, to nurture faith. 
Because if we just have it for the moment, and we do sometimes when everything's going fine, oh, I'm a, I have a lot of faith until something comes along that bites us on the leg. And we ought to say, what's this for, Lord? I want to know because I want to be with you on correcting whatever the problem is, if it is really a problem. And I have been so concerned about this sort of thing and trials that I, I put down here in a little block in my notes, hypocrite. That's what I am. Because I'm not following in faith the way that I know that I should. Because trials upset me. And it comes to me time and again. God, I'm mad at you. I didn't mean for it to. No, that's where it ends up. Because trials are something of such value that we should not overlook them whatsoever. And I, I want to tell you about, to, to me, the most honest man that has ever made a statement. And that was uh, in Mark 9 where there was a man that had a son who had a demon in him. And he was throwing himself into the fire and into the water. And Jesus comes along and casts the demon out. And Jesus said to the man, if you can believe, all things are possible. And I think this is another conditional clause. Since you can believe, or if you can believe, and you should, <laughs> all things are possible. My land. Imagine that. And the Father gives to me the most honest statement. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. At least we can come that way. Lord, I, I believe in some things, but you know what my struggles are. Help me with the unbelief. He believed in the power of Jesus and admitted his weakness. I've looked up the words for trials, and here are some of them. Peace, rejoicing, good cheer, glory, perseverance, hope, comfort, consolation, long-suffering, kindness, righteousness, knowledge, protection, truth, power, etc., etc. Not a negative in the bunch. And those are all coming from trials. Why are we praying away the best thing God has for us that He wants, through which He wants to make us righteous and faithful? And enduring. What do, we, what do we pray for most of the time? Now, I'm not going to go any further with this, but it's usually health problems. Have you ever considered thanking Him for that? Say, thank you for the trials. It's a hard experience. It's a hard exercise, but I suggest maybe we need to do that a little more. Because either He's giving it to you for a good reason or He's not. And if He's not, we've got a problem with God. Ask Him to reveal why the trial is happening. Pray for peace and understanding. Two weeks ago in our Sunday school class, a prayer sheet came around and there was a prayer on it. And uh, there was a situation that was being prayed for, asked for. And in it, this was the prayer that we pray, or you pray for us to have peace and understanding. I couldn't wait till the end of class to get up and talk to the person and say, you just are asking for the ideal prayer. Prayer 
of understanding and ultimately peace. I want to finish the story of the man I duped with the gold. <laughs> he hasn't found any gold, not that I know of. <clears throat> it's an entertainment, it's a, a hobby for him. He, he, it's not his method of staying alive or making a lot of money. <laughs> but he exhibits faith in such a way that it just takes my breath away because of the peace amidst the years of testing and trials that this man and his family have had. I'm not listing them. He's had disappointments. They have pains, hurts of all kinds and exasperations, and I've never heard them complain yet. Yes, they will talk about it. They might even ask for prayer on occasion. But I suspect that they have never prayed for the most difficult and enduring situation that they have in their lives that it be removed. Because there is joy in them in that very thing. I see in them something more precious than gold. Far more precious. Joy and peace amidst gold. Amidst the challenges it can happen. And I know of others the same way. You have a fortune within you. Are we so afraid of the testing that we prefer to fail rather than to endure to build our faith? I want to end with the words of Job, and I think I owe him this much. <laughs> he said, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. We're not going to come forth gold. It's as gold. Well, how did gold get purified? By the fire. How are we being purified? By the trials of life. And we're going to make it that way. And I think we'll have crowns for the things that we have uh, been tested through and that we have proven our faith but I shall come forth as gold, more precious than life with a purified faith. I want to pray, and I want to pray just a very short prayer here. If this is your heart's desire, pray it. Otherwise, don't bother. Let's pray together. Whatever it takes, Lord, I will cooperate with you to increase my faith. Help my unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen.